listening to Opening Doors to Hope and Belonging from DePaul Community Resources. This is episode six of season two. I'm your host, Allison Wickline. Thanks so much for joining us as we learn and grow together. In this episode, I'm going to be introducing you to an interactive and educational story about a fainting goat. I'm sure you have a lot of questions right now, so let me explain. Last summer, DePaul was thrilled to announce the release of A Goat's Tale, Billy the Fainting Goat Learns to Be Brave, by author Amy Burns and illustrated by Julianne Orr. Amy is a licensed professional counselor, a supervisor, and site leader for DePaul's Abingdon office. She presented her book idea during our 2019 Garage event, a place where dreamers and investors meet. I wanted to catch up with Amy in this episode to discuss her work and the journey to get here. Amy, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Allison. I'm really excited to be here. Why don't you introduce us to Billy and tell us a little bit more about the book? So I've been a therapist for a relatively long time now, and I found that there aren't a lot of resources for dealing with kids specifically with anxiety using the tool of progressive muscle relaxation. And I, there's a there's a wonderful book that I've used for years um, called The Angry Octopus that walks through progressive muscle relaxation for younger children. And it's fantastic if you've got an angry child, but I, I didn't have an angry child. <laughs> I had an anxious child who couldn't connect with the, the angry emotion in the other book. Um, so I searched and I couldn't find anything to fill that particular need. Um, so I wrote the story for her so that she could understand the skill and, and feel a lot better. What is the book like? Why do you think it is so powerful and helpful? Well, I think the skill is a wonderful one, but the the story that we went through um, features Billy, who is a fainting goat. And every time something scary happens, he faints much like fainting goats in real life. And he has a wonderful connection with his nanny goat. And she kind of walks him through the steps to be brave. So by the end, he's able to do some of the things that he's afraid of. I think that uh, overcoming fear message is kind of universal for humans. So where did the idea for Billy, a fainting goat, come from? And what made you want to write this book and really follow through with this whole process to get it published. So I really enjoy goats just as a general rule. (laughs) I don't, (laughs) I don't, I don't want to own a goat. I would love to pet a goat, but I don't really want to own a goat, but I love them. They're so funny and clever and just interesting little creatures. And uh, several years ago, I knew a young lady who had some fainting goats and uh, while they were not home, this goat on their farm crashed through their sliding glass door and scared itself so bad it fainted like in their kitchen. And so when I was trying to come up with a relatable animal for the story, um, I kind of went into the fainting goat because that was this paralyzing moment. And I thought that that might work pretty well for this particular individual. I brought it to the garage because I felt like if this story was successful with one child, uh, maybe this story can be successful for some other children. I tested it with um, some kids that I know in outside of my um, my work and kids with my work, and it was pretty successful. And kids really connected with the the cute characters that Julianne came up with. Her dad was an intensive in home counselor with us at the time and had some art up in his office, 
And I just sort of asked him, like, could she do a goat? (laughs) And she could. And it's beautiful. So what was the journey of writing a book like? What did you discover along the way? The book went through a lot of revisions before the edition that's actually published with the illustrations. I wanted to make sure that the skill was well represented, but not overwhelming. So there was a lot of editing to kind of figure out how much deep breathing you put in. Typically, when we do progressive muscle relaxation, you you tighten and release muscles three times a piece, but that gets a little tedious if you're writing that out over and over again. Um, So there, there was quite a bit of editing and then matching the illustrations to the text was important as well because we really needed to be able to have a visual that represented what it's gonna look like. Um, Elizabeth Calandrianus helped a lot with this book and Jamie Sneed helped a lot with this book. And I don't know that without them and Mike Norton that it ever would have been published. I know you said that even the first version, when you were just kind of trying it out, you saw positive impacts in the children that you were serving. What does that feel like? And and what was it like to see something that you created really work for them and know that there really wasn't anything out there that was working at the time? It felt wonderful. Um, I've always sort of been a, a person that if I don't have what I need and there isn't something that I can easily buy, then I'll make it. So um, I've made lots of tools over the years, lots of different kinds of playing cards or stories to try and help guide the kids that I work with because I can't be there all the time. So uh, having some take-home manuals was really helpful for some parents with some of the initial versions of the book. But yeah, it feels fantastic to know that these kids can take this home and have, have a tangible skill to help them feel better when they're not doing well. Do you think that there is a large need among children just in general who not necessarily have diagnosed anxiety, but maybe struggle a little bit with controlling their emotions. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Emotional regulation is one of the important tasks of childhood, right? So we, we all learn how to deal with disappointment. We all learn how to deal with fear. We all are supposed to learn those things before we reach adulthood. So even if you don't have an anxiety diagnosis, um, we do have to learn to manage big feelings. That's, that's part of our, our human journey in life is learning those things. So absolutely, kids who don't have major mental health issues still benefit from a book like this that teaches a skill. I know this book was a huge accomplishment for you, and this book also marked a major milestone for DePaul. It was the first time in the organization's history that it was sharing its mission of hope and belonging through a self-published book. So I know you kind of talked about how it felt to have an impact on children, but how does it feel to be involved in history-making at DePaul? I have been with DePaul for about five and a half years, and this is honestly the most thoughtful and healing organization I've ever worked for. And it, it, it makes my heart happy to know that I have a little piece of DePaul history. Looking into the future, What are you working on? Are there books on the horizon? 
I hope that there will be books on the horizon. Um, the one that I have been working on, this has sort of been my uh, my COVID project because there's some very good reasons that I majored in psychology and not art because <laughs> art has sort of been uh, an adventure for me. But the, the new book that I've been working on, um, the working title is The Bedtime Book, and it is about children who struggle with sleep and struggle with nightmares and how to help them cope with that and use their glorious imaginations to kind of pick their own locks and, uh, and feel better in the end. And is that something similar to a goat's tale where you saw a need and wanted to address it? Absolutely. It was, I have a lot of kids who uh, struggle with nightmares. They have a lot of trouble falling asleep. A lot of times uh, worries will keep them up at night and they won't be able to sleep well. And we all know if you don't sleep well, you don't function well the next day. So if we can take some of those barriers out of their way and help them sleep better, then, uh, then they'll do better and feel better. Well, thank you so much for being here. I think I speak for all of DePaul when I say we are so proud of this book and the work you and Julian did and Jamie and Elizabeth and all the other people and Mike who helped bring this to creation. And for our listeners, we will make sure to have a link to more information about the book, including how to order it on our website page. That's depaulcr.org slash opening doors podcast. Opening Doors to Hope and Belonging is hosted by DePaul Community Resources, a nonprofit organization. Since 1977, DePaul has opened doors to hope and belonging for countless children, families, and individuals with disabilities across Central and Southwest Virginia. To learn more about DePaul and the topics discussed here, please visit depaulcr.org slash Opening Doors Podcast.